This is Crafting Short Stories. On today's episode, episode 3, we focus on the magical and mystical things all around us. This is a recently published short story in October 2022 called Ondir. The little creature in the water was drowning. Ondir watched him silently, trying to determine quickly what to do next. The boat above had capsized. Ondir and his lake brothers did not know what had happened. Ondir surveyed from the watery depths of the lake abyss the aftermath of what must have been an explosion. His yellow gleaming eyes took in everything on the usually quiet and serene surface above. There was fire in the water and screams, terror on the surface, and then wreckage. Humans were swimming and flailing in the water, legs and arms and flurries of motion as they panicked. They did not seem to notice the little one yet. But Ondir and the others did. The human child had been thrown into the water with a soft splash to the left of the wreckage. His hair was brown and waved about his shocked face, his eyes were open, and he was so little. <clears throat> the lake serpent named Ondir knew he couldn't breathe beneath, not like they could. But the boy was a human and they avoided the humans at all costs. That is how they survived for centuries, past the age of the hunters and the foragers, the Native Americans he knew to be called the Abenaki, the ones that had visited and revered them in days of old. The water serpents had survived past the recent days of the pale settlers from the south, expanding their territory across the mountainous terrain and the deep green thick forests. The kind of forests a creature could disappear in forever. The boy was one of them, the pale settlers. He had trousers and a white shirt with a red and black plaid button coat. He sunk deeper into the darkness in which only the eyes of the serpents glowed below. No one moved. No one but Ondir. Ondir encircled the child, his black scales gleamed as he rapidly circled round and round. He tightened his hold. The boy's eyes were shut now as a face was turning blue. Ondir tugged on the little body and gently moved, rising quietly from beneath. He propelled in one swift movement towards the beach, and his family of water serpents followed silently behind cautiously. Too far, too risky, he thought to himself, but he had to get the child out of the water. He had no other choice but to do what he did next, risking the safety of his own family. He bumped the encircled mass behind him to the surface, and in the fading dusk the large water serpent could be seen momentarily breaking the surface dark and large and exceedingly frightening. He hovered low in the growing darkness of evening light. The child then coughed. Ondir turned to look behind at the little thing. He moved his worried face close to the boy. He blinked and then stared at the pale thing, willing it to breathe. He waited, worried and alarmed, and then suddenly, with a great gasp of air, the child moved and opened its eyes. Ondir turned abruptly then to look toward the boat in sudden alarm. Had they heard the child, he wondered to himself in fear. The humans were busy with the aftermath of the explosion. Ondir, then, silently moved across the dark waters to the beach. Looking left and right, he paused close to the shores of Lake Willoughby, where the tourists often played in the sun of August days. There were onlookers from the shore. A woman was pointing, and she was shouting. She had noticed him. Others were beginning to notice his presence, too, and he had no other choice but to submerge again. He tightened further around the exhausted child and darted down beneath the waves, searching, scrambling for somewhere to deposit him out of harm's way. The boy struggled and glugged and gurgled several times. Ondir's family swam forward to guard his left and right flank. The deadly and dangerous creatures these water serpents slithered in mass, encircling and defending each other. They were worried about a possible attack. Ondir made it to a nearby dock in a small cove beyond the beach. Gently and swiftly, in one fluid motion, Ondir lifted the cold and freezing boy to the dock. He unraveled then the length of his body quickly from the child before plunging again into the water to remain undetected.
His family met him in the darkness below, and they waited again expectantly, watching cautiously their surroundings in case of reprisal from the humans. They watched, too, as the humans found and rescued the little boy. And Ondir watched for a long time just below the surface in the watery depths, even as the boy's parents hugged him tightly to their chests. He smiled slightly, although he shook his head so slowly. Too risky. This was too risky, he thought to himself again. The humans called them the Loch Ness Monsters of the Mountain Lake. It was no secret to the locals. Everyone knew the tales. In the 1800s, a wagon was crossing the icy lake. A wagon wheel buckled and broke the ice, and the wagon, along with unfortunate participants, fell below into the freezing waters. The wagon disappeared only to reappear. On the other side of the mountain, Crystal Lake, eight miles away. And from then on, it had been confirmed in folktales what they suspected, what the locals had always suspected. There were monsters. There were monsters in these glacial waters. According to Abenaki legend, there was a large secret cavern, another prehistoric world, in fact, where they lived beneath the mountain between the two lakes. An Abenaki warrior had found their dwelling place long, long ago and somehow had lived to tell others. The wagon had reappeared on the other side in Crystal Lake to confirm this old suspected tale. The Abenaki had called them the Ancients. The settlers only knew them as the terrors beneath. And later on, as years went past, scientists came to the area and called them plesiosaurs, the last of the dinosaur age. But they were more than that. They were water dragons. Nearly extinct from the dawning of creation, mystical and magical creatures of old and ancient tradition. And Ondir, the dragon, in fact, was so very, very much more. This concludes episode three, On Deer, for crafting short stories. This work of fiction, incidentally, is based on true folklore of the northern Vermont region. Thank you for listening, and have a truly magical and mystical day.